Welcome to Destination Church Belfast's weekly podcast. For more information about our church, you can find us on the web at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk. You can also join us every Sunday morning at 10.30am at Mosley Pavilion. Now for the message. Okay, so we're continuing to look at worship. But I just want to do a plug for, uh, I'm going to embarrass you, Carol, for a second, is that all right? So we were at small group on Wednesday night, and we were sharing about great share question, by the way, whoever's leading small group. Um, asked, uh, what Bible verse is really hitting you, and what are you learning from it? Carl starts talking about uh, having your faith activated and all this kind of stuff. We're all like, tell us about this, Carl. What is this? By the end of the night, everybody's going, I need my faith activated. <laughs> so uh, if nothing else, come to Wednesday night because Carl normally comes. Um, but, we're, but small groups are a really, really good place to dig into what we're talking about. And we're talking about topics that hopefully um, in the prayer meeting before church we were asking God that, that what we're teaching would be really practical, that you could grab a hold of it and go, right, I want to take this thing out for a spin and see what it means for me in my life, okay? So small group's the perfect place to dig into those things. Next week, I'm really sorry, but I will be in the south of France marrying Peter and Ashley. It's a, it's a really tough uh, thing to have to do, and this sacrificial role is hard to play, but... This is your pastor, ladies and gentlemen. So Andrew's going to be uh, taking the message and, and leading on next Sunday. And as always, just to cite the good old granddaddy of Destination Church Belfast, Dr. Dennis Burns, the messages that I'm teaching, uh, he's dug out the majority of the gold for, so it's good to be able to, to, to teach this to you. So let's do a brief recap. We're looking at worship, which is prioritizing his presence. Here in DCB, we prioritize his presence in everything we do. We're discovering that worship has a destination, does it not? Did you realize we arrived somewhere this morning? And the destination is the presence of Christ among us. Psalm 22.3, you are holy, O you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. And when we worship God, he is captivated when you're telling him what you know to be true about him. Going to say it again, Isaac sitting opposite Claire, sings his lovely little song, Mommy, thank you so special, thank you so wonderful. And Claire starts to cry because she heard his heart. You come to God and you show him your heart, you will move the heart of God. Have we got it? Okay. Worship is expressed in a worship service and in how we live our lives. And a definition of worship would be the endeavor of freely giving an expression of our love to God. And here we want to grow in our liberty of expression of worship to God, don't we? Not really, thanks very much. I'd rather stare at the floor. We want to find a bit of freedom, don't we? And even... Let me go beyond your own understanding for a second. Even if you don't want to find it, you really do. If you're sitting going, nope, find the way I am, thanks very much. No, you really do. Oh, that's a bit arrogant. It might come across that way, but honestly, it's going to be the best thing for you. You find some liberty and some freedom, that's going to change how you live your life because you've encountered God. So a definition of worship would be the endeavor of freely giving an expression of our love to God. Mark 12, 30, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. It's always nice when somebody smiles at you from the front, isn't it? Worship is your personal expression of love to God from your whole being, and it should be unrestricted, and it should be unrestrained. And last week we talked about, uh, looked at Isaiah 6. The first point we were talking about was dealing with disappointment. Is there anywhere that you've placed your hope solely in man and have just been disappointed? 
And Isaiah said that those who hope in the Lord will not be disappointed. Well, how does that work? Well, it means that we can have hope, and we can hope that you do really well. But if you don't, we're not destroyed by that because we know the one who's faithful and never changes. And we deal with any disappointments that we might have by hoping in God. I really hope, I'm sure that most of us in this room have been disappointed by someone somewhere at some point. And I really hope that this gives you the opportunity to find some healing for that. Because God will never disappoint you. He may do, he will ultimately frustrate you. And if you haven't found that out about him, I don't know which God you're serving. Because he just doesn't do things the way we want but what I find is that if you go, okay, you're God, you will most certainly not be disappointed by him. That we talked about Isaiah saw worship in heaven. He looked at the one that never, ever changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And yet we believe that somehow he's different on a Tuesday because we don't really feel it on a Tuesday. So Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. And then James 1, 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. We've been fathered by change, by instability, and we've become uncertain and insecure. We need to be fathered by the one who never, ever changes. Isaiah was seen by himself, and some conviction came. Woe to me, I cried. I'm ruined. I'm a man who doesn't have clean lips, and I'm among a people who are exactly the same. And then heaven provides a solution. It's not condemnation. Romans 8, 1 to 2, therefore there's now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. So we did this last week, but if you're sitting here experiencing any shape or form of condemnation, and you have Jesus Christ living in your heart, you're tolerating something that you do not need to tolerate. When God reveals a problem, he provides a solution and ministers to the specific area that requires attention. What God reveals, he will also heal. And then Isaiah heard the call of God and then he responded to it. And I made the point that uh, Matthew twenty-two fourteen: for many are called and few are chosen. We have a part to play, and if God says, Claire Porter, I've got this amazing journey for you, and you go, God's got this amazing journey for me. And then you come to the end of your life, and you're like, God, you called me? What, you, what, what, what happened? Well, you didn't exactly come, did you? Lead a horse to water, not that Claire's a horse. Lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. So our response to what God asks us and invites us into is that we come. So please, you've got to remove, well, this happened to me and this happened to me and when I go there, that doesn't happen and this and which really is being subjective to what you don't have. You have got God Almighty who has done everything that you need to be able to follow him. So if he's invited you, please come. And I made the point last week that so few do. So please, let's be one of the few and let this be a church where we are willing to pay the price of the cost of the call that God has on our lives. Sound like a plan? Okay, so today we're looking at becoming worshippers. Um, and anything in life, whether it's uh, learning a subject, whether it's figuring out Excel spreadsheets, which I have finally nailed VLOOKUPs. Anybody understand? <laughs> finally nailed them. And uh, was able to populate a couple of columns via a couple of VLOOKUPs. Um, it takes time. Learning to drive, you can't do it instantly. Learning to do a sport, you can't do it instantly. Watch a child, they can't eat. They don't know how to use the bathroom. They don't know how to walk. And yet, when it comes to spiritual stuff, we somehow are like, I tried that thing that you were talking about. 
didn't work. And God's going, that's it. That's all. So you want to learn to drive, you keep going because you have the vision to be able to drive and have the liberty and freedom that driving brings. You want to learn to eat because you're hungry and you want to enjoy food. You want to cook better. Well, you, you keep practicing doing that. You want to do V lookups. You don't give up, even though I was ready to throw my highlighter pants in the bin. You don't give up, but yet when it comes to spiritual stuff, somehow we go, it should be instantaneous. Well, that's not the truth. This all takes time. So becoming worshippers takes time. And we are not in this church giving up on it. So we've got to learn to consider God's needs. This is John four twenty one to 24. Jesus said to the woman at the well, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they're the kind of worshippers that the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. God wants worshippers and not even wants, he is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And we're going to unpack that a little bit. And we can only worship who we know. When we worship who we don't know, it's religion. And I am sick to death of people saying to me, well, I'm really sorry, but I'm not religious. I want to go, I'm not either. I'm in a relationship. I remember when God got a hold of me, I went to see a friend and told her about this God that I'd met. And I was just all excited. And she went, it's, it's kind of like you've started this relationship. And I'm afraid we can't, we can't really be friends anymore. It's just not going to work. And I went, oh, I didn't know that would be the result of following God. But she was commenting on a relationship. She wasn't commenting that I had joined a church and that uh, somehow I was doing this and doing that and A plus B equals C. She was saying, you're in a relationship. So we worship a God that we know. And if you don't know him, just get to know him. There's things about the way he does things. It's different. It takes some time to get to know him. Claire and I are still getting to know each other. And I dare say for the rest of their day, our days, we will. Getting to know each other. Getting to know, getting to know. So God's seeking worshippers, have you responded? Do you desire to be the kind of worshipper that he's seeking? To what degree is God worthy of worship from you? I don't expect anybody's going to shout it with an answer. Not that much. Maybe once in a Sunday. Answer that by yourselves. Have you responded to this call? And to what degree is he uh, worthy of worship from you? What's he worth? So what does it mean to worship in spirit and in truth? God's not looking for worshipers in soul and in pretense. He's looking for worshipers in spirit and in truth. You can't fake it. It's either real or it's not. Worship in spirit. We must learn to worship from our spirits. (laughs) People are like, what? What on earth does that mean? Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. Because God is spirit, we, we, must, we need to initiate from our spirit. Now, sometimes worship starts in our soul. I'm going to unpack this a bit later. But it always ends up in our spirit if we don't give up. It is spirit to spirit. 
With God, it results in spiritual formation and growth to us and blessing to God. So we've got to come away from the idea that, it, and also it cannot be a relationship if it's one-sided. God receives something from us and we receive something from him. Now, initially, and sometimes, of course, it's okay to come and say, I need something. But what I find in my relationship with Claire is, if I'm Mr. Needy all the time, she's like, stay over there. And I actually don't get the thing that I need because I'm coming across going, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. Whereas if I love her and do what she likes and spend some time with her and get to know her, what do you know? Over and above, the cup will overflow. So with God, whenever we come to him, rather than all the time, you know, whenever Anna and Isaac come to me and I say, I need this, 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 stop it. <laughs> See, when you stop, you'll get exactly what you need. Okay, what do you need? Well, this was happening, this was happening, this was happening, this was happening. I'll ask them a couple of questions. We'll maybe figure it out. Maybe we won't be able to accommodate what they think they need. But you've got to be sure that as a good parent, I want to give them what they actually need. So this whole experience of worship is about trust. We are coming to someone who knows us better than we know ourselves. So when he gives us instruction about how we come to him, it's not just for him, it's for us as well. You don't get to decide what and how you worship God. He decides and we submit. Oh, that sounds harsh. Well, he is God. Now, you can also go, I'm not playing. That's totally fine. But you'll get the fruit of what you've just stated. You'll not be playing. And what I find is that when it's difficult and I have to yield myself to something, even though it's difficult at the end of it, I am so glad that I did. Worship and truth is required. Good um, worship can only be received from a spirit of truthfulness. And the word alethes in the Greek means unconcealed. So when we come to him, this is the bit everybody's like, really? We've got to open up about our stuff. He's God and he sees it anyway. But relationship is always richer when we uncover the things that we are ashamed about or stuff that we've done. Then we can actually uh, be free to relate to one another. And hear me, I know that that's really, really difficult. But what I find is more difficult is living with stuff that we really need to confess. And when we do that, there's a quality of relationship. All in the context of God's not going anywhere. God's already said that if you love him and he lives in you, there's no condemnation for you. So what are you afraid of? He's already slapped Jesus Christ on the cross as hard as he's ever going to slap anybody. And if you find that offensive, I'm sorry, but he slapped Jesus Christ on the cross in our place. The hammer fell once and it fell on Jesus. So what are you afraid of? You're not coming to an angry father. You're coming to someone who wants to bring healing to you. And for you to find it, you've got to reveal what is concealed about yourself. So it's about coming out of hiding. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 to 18. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And this is Psalm 15, 1 to 2. 
Lord, who may dwell in your secret tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The one who walks in integrity, who does what is righteous and speaks the truth from his heart. I'm finding this whole speaking the truth from your heart really, really liberating. And I'm finding that the more that I know that relationships are secure, we can really talk. And I can say to you, I've noticed this about you. And you've said, well, Colin, you said that and that, that hurt me. And actually, because we're all safe and secure, and in this house we're not quitting on anybody, and we mean that, you can come and say, you see when you said that? I don't like that very much. What are you saying? And I'll say, well, what do you think that I said? I think that you said I'm stupid, I'm fat, and I'm ugly. Well, I didn't say that at all. I, I, I really, I'm, I'm really sorry that that's what you heard. I, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't hurt you. It's just because everybody, it's just because it feel really fat and ugly because, <laughs> well, you're not at all and you're being condemned and it's the enemy that accuses and, you know, come on. The truth will set you free. And yet, if that conversation had remained unspoken, bitterness, offense, I guarantee there would be physical implications to the, the offense and the bitterness. Difficulty, strife, dissension, disunity, departure, pain. And all because we did a difficult conversation, there's relationship, and relationship like never before. So what's the truth in regard to this Jesus who you worship? What do you say? Who do you say that he is? You need to settle that. Until you do, you won't worship him like he actually is. Do you love him? Are you a little bit ashamed of him? Is Jesus worthy to be worshipped by you unrestricted, unrestrained, and with abandon? So what are the results of worship offered in spirit and in truth? Well, you know the truth, and the truth will set you free. One of the results is personal freedom. It releases a further profound freedom in worship. And we are an integrated whole. Therefore, actually, for the person that doesn't feel the liberty, I, I shouted a couple of times this morning. And you could think, oh, he just planned to do that because he's going to speak about different aspects of worship. I shouted because I couldn't not. Hey, and because of that liberty, I'm freer in other parts of my life. It's not just about here. It's not a performance. If it's a performance, close your eyes. Say to God, God, you know I worship you because I think people think I'm great. Be honest with them. Or, God, I'm so scared of what they're going to think of me. And he might say, just look at me. You might start to cry, I don't do tears. (laughs) Anybody that says that, I'm like, (laughs) we'll see. Pitfalls to be avoided in worship. Worship being solely for your pleasure and benefit. Worship for the emotional buzz. There certainly is emotional buzz. There was some this morning. But it's not, that's not the priority. The priority is him. Worship so you get to show off somehow. I've already covered that. And then what's the bottom line of worship? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Worshiping Jesus is the door to the Father. If you want to get my attention, praise my children. If you want to get the Father's attention, tell him about how wonderful the Son is. See, we turn this into somehow this massive, he's God, can't connect to him, he's beyond understanding, oh, God's a mystery. Yes, he is, but he also conceals things so that we search it out. 
Do you see how much damage is done by these phrases that we use? Oh, it's all a mystery. Oh, you can never know what God's up to. That's not true. Worship his son. Tell him how wonderful his son is and you've got the father's attention. You come to me and you say, I watched your children. Your children were beautiful, Colin. They, they said this. I, I, I'm like, come on, come on in. What would you like? Oh, they just think they're brilliant. And then Claire and I'll go home while we're making our beans on toast. We'll have it because it's easy, all right? Beans and a wee bit of cheese. Beautiful. And um, we'll make it and go, did you hear what they said? And they were saying that Anna and Isaac are just so polite. Oh, they're so polite, aren't they? And oh, isn't it? Oh, and Isaac, oh, he's just so wonderful. Oh, and Anna, look at how Anna dances. Oh, and we've always said she's a natural dancer. Look how she twirls. Isn't it beautiful? You've got her attention because you're talking about her children. Talk to him about his son. What do you say about Jesus? What do you want to tell the Father about what you've discovered about this Jesus that we're worshiping? So we've got to learn to be a worshiper. And when we do, we will find three things. The truth, which is a person, the person of Jesus Christ. The way, which is how to live our lives. And life itself, purpose and growth. So why and how do we worship? For love to be love, it has to be expressed. So we've got to give them all that we've got. I'm quite gushy. <laughs> yeah, we know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And sometimes Claire's like, in fact, last night, I'm sorry, this is one of those bad stories, but last night I was saying really nice things and she went, you're really into talking a lot tonight, aren't you? Could you I, just need to, I just need quiet. And I went, all right, all right, all right. It's all right. I know she loves me. It's all okay. There's no offense. Yes, she grabbed my hand because she knew that that would counteract the truth. That she just... <laughs> Physical touch. Every man, the love language is physical touch. Isn't that right? Yes, and amen. I'm sure there's some that aren't, but they're not here. <laughs> so I'm going to be gushy, and I'm going to use my words. So give him what you've got. Give, love him with all that you've got. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then let me read this. This is 2 Samuel 6. 14 to 16 and then 20 to 22. So David was dancing wearing a linen ephod before the Lord with all his might, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and with sounds of trumpets. Wouldn't that be brilliant? We were in Disneyland and all of a sudden this band assembled and brought out their trumpets and just went for it. It was brilliant. But imagine if <laughs> we were all sitting in worship and it wasn't like one of those flash mobs. It was just a normal thing. We reach a place in worship and Russell reaches for the cornet and then Lauren's got the trombone and it's just, it, people are shouting and it's just, and Mark reaches for his shofar because it's just part of worship. While he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and sounds of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in all her heart. When David returned home to bless his household, Michael, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today. Sarcasm? going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servant as any vulgar fellow would. And David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. 
but by the slave girl you spoke of, I will be held in honor. David got it because Michael thought that it was about her and the implications of what the king was doing on her, whereas David realized that it was for the Lord. And until we settle this issue of fear of man, we will forever be restricted and yielded to what other people think. And half the time, they're not even thinking of it. It's just an imaginary thought. But when you get freedom, when you see him, you will not care. And you know, actually, if someone came to me and said, Colin, you're the pastor of this church, and I was affronted that you shouted while you were playing the djembe. And I'm going, I'm really sorry you feel like that, but that was not for you. Has Nathan just lost it there? We, but we've all been there. And we all want to say, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. Oh, really sorry, really sorry. Because we're supposed to be all things to all people, aren't we? And we're supposed to be loving and kind and somebody's hurt and offended. Well, maybe love looks like, I'm really sorry that you're offended. That's another issue, actually. And maybe if you want some help, I could help you to look at that. But that was not for you. That's an answer spoken in love and in truth. And they may get offended. But it's not about them. It's all about him. And from what I read in Scripture, he loves it. And what did God say about David? He was a man after his own heart. So, I see if I have a visual image of you all walking in and linen ephods with nothing on underneath. That's not where we're going with this. (laughs) But what we are talking about is, let's, you see if you struggle in worship, close your eyes. Just close your eyes. I open my eyes in worship. Either I'm going to miss the drum and it's going to send it all off or to see how everybody's doing because it's my job to check that you're doing all right. I want to see liberty and freedom. If there's not liberty and freedom, I'm clocking it because my job's to serve you and love you and disciple you to a place of wholeness and freedom. But that's the only reason why I open my eyes. So if you're standing in worship and you're struggling with it, it's just really difficult and you feel really awkward, close your eyes. Eyes are the windows of the soul. So shut your soul man up by closing your papers and focus on him because he's the only one that this is about. So there are various biblical expressions of worship. And uh, I didn't decide this. And please for yourselves, don't go, well, I don't do that one. You see if that rises up in your heart when I read these out. Go and just talk to him about that. I don't shout. I would never lift my hands. I shall never dance before the Lord. Why? Because who's it about? Okay. So, who we really are is in the process of being uncovered. Quick side if this is, we did this at Leaders Team, if this is the totality of who we are, right? And this is who God created us to be, I would say that we maybe know, say, about 8%. And what we then do is we go, well, I don't do that because we know the 8%. And God always speaks deep to deep. So if any of these really hit you and you're like, 8%, I don't do that, God's speaking to the other 92% because he knows who you are and the potential that you have. Is that going to hurt to become the full 100%? Absolutely it will. Will there be benefit beyond your wildest dreams? Okay, so why I'm saying that is just don't shut down what God's inviting you into because of your past experiences, because then you let your past limit you rather than letting your God liberate you, okay? So here's a few. Singing. 
speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. That's Ephesians 5.19. Kneeling. Psalm 95 verse 6. Come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Standing, unless of course you have a physical issue. Psalm 135, 1 to 3. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise him, O servants of the Lord, priests and Levites, you who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises to his name, for it is gracious and it is lovely. Lifting hands. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. If you're at a concert, do you lift your hands? Do you shout and do you sing along? If you're nodding your head in agreement to that and you do not do that when you're worshiping God, you have compartmentalized your life. Plenty of men who will stand in plenty of churches will never, ever, ever make themselves undignified. Yet if you saw them at Ravenhill watching a match, they'd be, oh, I'm a, yeah, woo, yeah, I don't do that in worship. Have I made my point? Do you hear me? Do it again. I'm afraid for those of you who are listening on the podcast, if you want to hear it again, just rewind. Um, So lifting your hands, Psalm 63 verse 4, so I will bless you, Lord, as long as I live, I will lift up my hands in your name. Amen. Clapping hands and instruments. Psalm 47 verse 1, oh, clap your hands, all people shout to God with the voice, voice of joy. Yeah. At the end of worship, we always do that, don't we? We're always, we're always celebrating. That's what we want our house to be. We want to celebrate them at the end of the songs. Now, you can say, what's this applause all about? You go to any sort of a concert. What do you do at the end of the song? Oh, come on. Yeah, that was brilliant. Fantastic. You're doing that in adoration and worship of the person who's just sung to you. What are we doing here? You can't, you know, a lot of our stances on these things are completely untenable. We hold back a wee bit. Oh, because we've been really over-churched and got all religious about this stuff, we want to celebrate him. So find your freedom. You see at the end of worship, if you want to go, <laughs> oh, oh, he's here. Have your freedom to do that. You think you're going to detract from the environment because you're doing that? What if you detract more by not doing it? Dancing. Andrew. Um, <laughs> Psalm 149, verse 3. Let him praise his name with dancing. Let them sing praises to him with timbrel and with lyre. Shouting. Psalm 35, 27. Let them shout for joy and rejoice. A new song. I wondered if we were going to start singing a new song this morning. I find that to be quite common when the Spirit's here and there's momentum. And uh, Ruth was taken at home. She's playing the keys, and then Ruth looked at me, and I was like, she's giving me direction, and I started hammering it, and you know, and it all, and a new song could quite easily have arisen out of that, and I've been in situations where a a song is sung, a prophetic song is sung, as in God singing to his people, and then the people grab a hold of that and sing it back to him. Brilliant. It's great. It's a heck of a lot of fun. It's creative, and it's got life, and it's just, did you see what happened? Do you not want to be part of a church where you're going like, There's no way that I'm not going to be there because I don't want to miss it. 
Well, I don't know, it's church. Let's rewrite it. Read Acts 2. Get yourself some vision. So new songs. Psalm 40, verse 3. And he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. We're running a little bit late, but I want to finish this. So are we okay if we proceed? Yes, everybody seems awake, good. Use of spiritual gifts in worship, spoken and sung prophecy. Joel 2, 28, and afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy and your old men will dream dreams. 1 Corinthians 14, 31, for you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. Normal say. Prophecy is a result of worshiping God. The testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. Revelations 19.10. In worship, we tell him who he is, which is objective, and who he is to us, which is subjective, and there may be a song of the season. Though the seasons change, your love remains. Isn't that right, Nathan? And Psalm 22, verse 3, you are holy, you who are enthroned on the praises of Israel. He is a speaking God. And when he comes among us, he wants to communicate. Tongues for singing in the Spirit. That was happening a little bit this morning. And you may be going, hold on, let me read this first and then we'll go there. 1 Corinthians 14, 15, I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. So you might be going, whoa there, buddy. It's all getting, you're talking, what languages that aren't even earthly? What are we, what? Hello? Let me gently correct you. It's just that we're talking about something that's beyond your normative experience. I have a colleague in work. <laughs> she won't mind me saying. Anything that she hasn't got experience of, she instantly doesn't like it and defends her position as to why she doesn't like it. And then one day I said to her, do you realize that every time there's something that you've never tried... You always say how you hate it and then justify your position. And she was like, I so do, don't I? And everybody else in the office went, that's exactly what she does. So if there's anything that I'm saying this morning and you're like, I don't like that, that doesn't sound scriptural. Well, you couldn't say that because I've read out the scripture verses. I don't like that. That's about the height of where you can stop. I don't like that. And I don't like it because I've just never experienced it before. So if there's any of this, you personally haven't exhibited it and expressed it. Or you've never been in a community of faith where that is expressed. It's all right. Hopefully by this stage you're discovering that we're not crazy and we're quite safe. And we really do want to love you the best that we can. So we're not going to lead you into heresy. And just some common questions about worship. How should we come into Jesus' presence? Well, we've got to be ourselves. Exactly as we are and exactly who we are in this moment. And one of the keys to enter his presence, can I get you guys to come up, is with thankfulness. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Psalms 100 verse 2 and then 100 verse 4. Enter his gate with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. I had a dream one time and in the dream somebody said to me, the enemy wants you to take up the shield of ungratefulness again. And when I woke up, I went, what? When you have got ungratefulness in your heart, you're literally putting up a barrier that means that you cannot receive what God wants to give you. So why don't you just shatter and lay down that shield and just be thankful for something small, even if it's something simple like I'm alive and I'm here. So we've got to praise him in private and we've got to praise him in church. And should we praise him when we don't feel like it? 
absolutely. And one of the things I've discovered um, about being a pastor and doing this is quite often I've got to do things that I don't want to do. But as I do them, I discover that I have absolutely everything that I need. Would you stand with me? So what should be the expected results of becoming worshipers? Well, the presence of the Lord should be among us. And if we don't have him, what on earth are we calling people to on a Sunday morning? This is Second Chronicles 5.14. And the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, a literal theophany of his presence. For the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. If we have a theophany among us, who cares? The direction of the Lord will be revealed. God will speak to his people. The provision of the Lord will be supplied. We will realize that God has given us everything that we need. And the power of the Lord will be applied to our life. So, there's always some questions to help you to respond. Do you primarily worship God for your needs or for his? Are you liberated to express worship in a variety of ways? And if you're not, in all honesty, would you like to find greater freedom? And then the final one, and possibly the most difficult one, do you need to come out of hiding? So if you can answer yes to any of these, or you just want to be ministered to, please come and join us now at the front. You've been listening to Destination Church Belfast's weekly podcast. For more information on our church, you can find us on the web on www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk. Thank you for listening.